0: ever wonder about questions that don't seem to have solid answers? Like if God is so good, then why is there so much suffering in the world? Or why should we trust the Bible and who wrote it anyway? Maybe you found the answers, but they didn't fully satisfy you. Well, welcome to Straight from the Bible, where you can find real answers from God's Word. Give us a call if something's on your heart. You can call us right now at 472-1111 or in the CNMI at 323-1113. You can also text or WhatsApp your questions to 671-686-9999. And now, straight from the Bible, with Pastor Mercy Idaoam.
1: Half a day and good evening. Welcome back to Straight from the Bible. This is Pastor Masikti and I'm here with my co-host Scotty. Oh, hold on, my test, can you hear me? Oh, there we go. Sorry, half a day and everyone. Welcome to Straight from the Bible. This is Pastor Masikti and I'm here with Scotty. Great to have you with us. Good evening, Scotty. Good evening, Pastor. Good evening, my brother. Well, we're back to Straight from the Bible and before we go into the Word, we always want to make sure that we ask God's blessing in prayer. So let's bow our heads for prayer. Oh, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your holy, sacred word, O oh Lord, and the Scriptures. And Father, we are unable to understand it or share it or teach it, Lord, unless you teach us and unless you uh, instruct us to understand it through your Holy Spirit. So we pray this afternoon that you would please send your spirit to make it clear to us and Lord, teach us what you would have us know to draw near to your heart and Lord, to behold Christ in all of his beauty. We thank you, dear Lord, and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's great to be with you again. It's great to be back and straight from the Bible. We're going to begin this, uh, today's episode with a question that we made sure we wanted to answer, follow up on. Mm-hmm. And uh, about two Mondays ago, we had a caller uh, or uh, somebody who had contacted FM and the question was, is it a sin to touch a dead body? Remember that one, Scotty? Yes, I remember that one. Is it a sin to touch a dead body? That was a great question. And we let you know that we were going to go ahead and study it out and come back and uh, and give you an answer. So the reference to that question is Numbers chapter 19, verse 11. Numbers chapter 19, verse 11. And it says here, it says, He that toucheth the dead body of any man shall be unclean seven days. He that toucheth the dead body of any man shall be unclean seven days. And the question was, is is it a sin to touch a dead body? And the answer is no. The text doesn't actually say uh, you will be sinful for seven days. It simply means you will be unclean for seven days. In the book of Numbers, uh, God continues to talk. Uh, God uh, tells them about these um, these talks about ceremonial uncleanliness, and so there are a few things that, if they were to do, they would be ceremonially or ritually unclean, and they would have to follow uh, some steps such as how many days of um, being considered unclean. You know, they could be able to touch certain things. You know, they would wash or they would sometimes offer sacrifices. And so they did some of these things that were, would be considered, that they would be considered ceremonial unclean. And one of them, of course, was touching a dead body. Uh, one of them would be, um, you know, bodily discharges of another person. Um, another one could be uh, contact with anybody that was considered also unclean. And there are, there are others more. And so whenever they would do this, they would be considered unclean and they would have to follow some steps in order to be ceremonially clean uh, again. And so uh, it wasn't so much about a matter of of sin. It was simply a matter of of being ceremonially clean or not. Now, why would God do that? Well, if you look at some of the, the reasons why he did that, one is this. It was to one, it would be to remind them constantly that the God of Heaven was a God of, of purity. And through, this, through these practices they would be symbolically reminded that God was a pure God and that we had to be clean uh, before Him. And another thing was many of these things that God had asked them to do were actually very good for their health. We actually can still practice many of these uh, today. We would understand this to be, you know, basic sanitation. And these were some of those little health law, health laws and ceremonial laws uh, that they would do back in those days. Uh, are they still applicable now? Well, not all of them. The ones that uh, can be applicable, of course, are the ones that deal with sanitation and uh, and that have, have been proven by health to be exactly uh, very good for us. Uh, but uh, no, the, the answer to the question, short answer is no, it is not a sin to touch. Uh, a dead body it doesn't say it is a sin it only simply meant that a person would be unclean because all throughout the scriptures you would of course find people you know touching a dead body christ himself his body was dead and yet the disciples and his loved ones they touched it in order to uh take care of him and of course mary and martha when they lost her brother brother lazarus it was the same thing so no it is not a sin to touch a dead body so i just wanted to follow up uh, with a question to that uh, caller it was so great for you to ask that question and we thank you for giving us time to study it out
2: yes nice pastor thank you for remembering uh, about that question how i remember it is when you brought it up i said oh yes. yes that question we were supposed to touch on it but thank you for answering that there's a question from a listener that I called earlier before we even started and he's asking first john second john and the book of revelations is it written by the same author
1: First John, uh, Second John, and is written by the Book of Revelation. And the answer is yes, it is written by the same author. Uh, in fact, the Book of John, which is of mm-hmm. course the fourth book of the Gospels—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John—and then you have, of course, uh, First John, Second John, Third John, and then of course you have uh, the Book of Revelation, huh. written by John. And the answer is yes, it is—it is exactly uh, the very same John uh, who wrote it. Uh, the John, uh, when when we look at him in the Gospels, when he wrote the Book of John. Uh, we, know him, we know him as John the Beloved. Mm. And of course, uh, when he wrote the Revelation, he's also referred to as John the Revelator. The Revelator. So this it is exactly the same person. And in fact, uh, he was the youngest of the disciples, and he was the only one that we know of that, that lived to a very old age. Uh, he was the only one that died, as we know of, of natural causes. Everybody else was uh, martyred, uh, but John himself um, lived to uh, a very old age and died a natural death. So yes, it is the exact same John. All right. Mm-hmm.
2: Thank you for answering. We have a question from a caller and she left us a message and reads Psalms 116 verse 12 through 14. Please
1: explain. Okay, maybe you can read that for us, brother. Yes. Time. Psalms 116
2: verse 12 through 14 and it reads, "What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord." I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all His people.
1: Amen. Beautiful. Amen. That's this beautiful. is nice. It is. A, yeah. It is a beautiful <laughs> set of verses. I have it underlined in my Bible, also. Great, great uh, mm-hmm. uh, Psalms. And so Psalms, of course, is, is a book of songs. And so the psalmist here, the psalmist here is is uh, is expressing what he is going to do, or is what he is going to do for God. You know, much of the time we think of God as somebody we only take, 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 take. And, and that's sometimes um, the only way that people know God, somebody we simply ask something of. And, you know, somebody once said, I actually saw it on a T-shirt, and it said that dad, dad is not spelled A-T-M. And oh. I thought that was really funny, but, and I thought that's actually the truth. You know, it's not just somebody <laughs> you just you simply go to because you want something. Uh-huh. And so the psalmist here is, is saying something different. He's saying in verse 12, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? What am I going to do now for God, for all of these incredible blessings Mm -hmm. that he has done for me? He then says, I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all of his people. We would say now I'm going to testify and I'm going to witness and I'm going to live my life as an as a, as a offering of love and holiness to God himself. And, you know, uh, this is why when Jesus says, I believe in Matthew 5, uh, that people will see our good works and glorify our Father, which is mm, in heaven. Yes. It is very much the same concept. How do we practically glorify God? Well, pe- when people see us in our lives and they see us selfless and kind and good and giving, and then they ask us why, and we tell them why. That glorifies God. Mm-hmm. So here in Psalms 116, this is, this is the psalmist saying, I will glorify God in my life. If I've made vows unto him, if I've made baptismal vows unto him, I'm going to keep it, and I'm going to honor him for all the wonderful things he has done for me. So this is not him saying, Lord, I want some more of what you've given me. This is, Lord, I wanna, this is what I am going to do for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. Uh, that, that's a great, it's a beautiful set of verses because uh, somebody once said, the hardest arithmetic is the counting of blessings because we do so little of it. Oh, yes. And so this psalmist here was counting all his blessings and his heart was overflowed to joy of what God has done for him. Now, this is what he wants to do uh, for his Lord. And that's a wise counsel for the Christian. Yes. and that's Thank also. you for that.
2: And I'm going to include this verse in my prayer. Amen. Right? Yes,
1: Scotty, indeed. You absolutely. ever... Um,
2: notice that when you meet someone right off the back and you never talked to before you say there's something different about this person yes right you could just see the shine see the walk see yes, the attitude yes, exactly. that he is following Christ absolutely to, absolutely. The, to his fullest and absolutely live a joyful life <laughs> oh, what a joy that mm-hmm. is all right the next question is the Bible says we shall we should not eat blood is it wrong to have a blood transfusion
1: oh great question the Bible says we should not eat blood. Uh, specifically, it says we should not eat the blood of an animal. Mm-hmm. And so should we then have blood transfusions? And uh, the answer is, uh, is, does the Bible condemn blood transfusions? The answer is no. Uh, you see, the reason why is, you know, blood itself was symbolic uh, in the Bible. It, of course, it represented, of course, the blood of Christ. It represented uh, cleansing and spiritually, of course, the Bible says that life was in the blood. But also physically, you know, the we know that diseases could also be found in the blood. You know, an animal could spread a disease to another animal through the blood. And then when you eat that animal, of course, the same thing uh, could happen to you. And so that's one of the reasons why, you know, God was very clear that we would not uh, eat the blood or drink the blood of an animal. Well, what about a person? Can a person then... Um, Uh, you know consume blood but let's go to the Bible first maybe Mm -hmm. Scott you can read Genesis chapter 9 could you read Genesis chapter 9 verse 4 yes I can
2: Genesis chapter 9 and verse number 4 Genesis chapter 9 verse 4 but flesh with the life thereof which is the blood thereof shall
1: we not eat okay great so there it is flesh with the life thereof but the blood thereof you're not allowed to eat now, if we look at Acts chapter 15, verse, it says in Acts 15:29, it says that ye abstain from meats offered to idols. Now, this is of course counsel to new converts to the Christian faith, and so it says that ye abs- you, that you abstain from meats offered to idols, and from blood, and from things strangled, and from of course fornication, which if ye keep yourselves, you shall do well. Fare you well. So, one of the things that they would, the counsels that they would give to these new believers who were converts was that they would not, of course, ingest blood. So this was not just an Old Testament uh, command. It was still practiced and recommended uh, to new believers, even after, of course, Christ came and he resurrected and he ascended back up into heaven. So what's the difference then? Well, is blood transfusion a sin then because we are, quote-unquote, taking in somebody else's Mm -hmm. blood? This is the reason why it's not. One, when we have a blood transfusion... You're not doing it because you're hungry. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not because I'm, I'm really hungry for blood right now. <laughs> Let me have some of this. You're not doing it for pleasure. And so this is, you're doing it to sustain life. Amen. And n- number number two, and uh, number three, is that even the blood has to match. And so you actually, you can't just give blood or get blood. The, the blood type has to actually match in order for you to be able to receive uh, the blood, and so the thing is, the purpose of a blood transfusion was to sustain life, was to give life, and to prolong life. So it's very different from simply uh, eating in order to uh, to satisfy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no, it is not a sin. The Bible does not say it is a sin. In fact, when you look at it, really, Jesus Himself uh, saved us with His blood transfusion. With the the Bible says in uh, I believe First Peter or is it Second Peter? It says that. You were saved by the precious blood of Christ. Mm -hmm. So, yes, it was a blood uh, transfusion that saved us. So to the questioner, no, it is not a sin to have a blood transfusion.
2: Great. Thank you for clarifying that, Pastor. If you have a question and you want us to answer it, go ahead and give us a call on Guam 671-472-1111 and the C nmi 670 323 you can text whatsapp and signal your question 671-686-9999 we're streaming live on facebook go ahead and leave your question in the comment section below you can also listen live online at joyfmradio.net and email your questions to bible at joyfmradio.net now on to the next question
1: a caller asks, what is the purpose of fasting? What is the purpose of fasting? Great question. What is the purpose of fasting? Well, well, first of all, fasting was never made as uh, self-torture, self-abasement. Uh, fasting throughout the Bible really is to help sharpen our focus and our devotion uh, to God for a very special purpose. And so there are reasons why we would fast. Now, what is Fasting. You know, you know. when I first heard of fasting, I thought, is that just how fast you run? Well, what is fasting about? <laughs> well, fasting in the Bible typically is when you abstain from food or water uh, for a period of time. Uh, Jesus, of course, fasted for 40 days uh, in the wilderness. And so fasting, although um, it might kind of make us physically weak, it does kind of make us spiritually more perceptive in many ways. And so what... Uh, Bible: uh, What people of the Bible would do is that they would uh, take a period away from from food uh, or water or anything, and then they would spend that time in a lot of devotion. And what I what it had is what it has found what people have found is it does m- kind of bring you a lot more clear-minded mm. uh, in your focus and your prayer to God. The Book of Esther, we find Esther fasting, f- you know, without food and water uh, for three days in order to plead for. Um, pray to God for her people who were under the risk of being exterminated by um, uh, by what's his name? I believe it was Haman was mm-hmm. his name. And so he fasted. Uh, she fasted three days and three, three days. And so there's another verse in Matthew. Let's go to Matthew chapter 17. And then maybe you could read that, Scotty, when you get there. Matthew 17, 21. And this is uh, Jesus speaking about fasting.
2: Okay, Matthew. And how,
1: yeah, and how there are special times and and reasons why we should fast. Go ahead.
2: All right. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting.
1: Okay, wonderful. So there are some things that, of course, if you're uh, sick or in need, or yeah, some in need are, of some healing. Yeah, yeah, some special healing or some special challenge or something that you really want to bring before the Lord that's very urgent or mm-hmm. very important, uh, it would be wise, of course, if God leads you to go ahead and fast. Of course, you should do well to you know look at your overall health and uh, see what that would look like. But uh, Jesus expected, even through that text, that people would still fast uh, even after um, uh, he ascended back into heaven. So fasting is still something that's practiced today, and uh, it is a great benefit. There actually even is a, he- a wonderful health benefit. Uh, they may touch on that on, on the Total Health the total health life. Yes, yeah. Wednesday. Wednesdays, yeah. So please, <laughs> you can call that in as, as a question. That's right. And they're going to be happy to answer your question about fasting. There is a... A health benefit of fasting and I fasted myself and it's kind of, I've got to say uh, the first time I ever tried it uh, sure enough um, it was really it was new mm-hmm. and it was a great experience and so uh, fasting is something that uh, is something that um, is recommended uh, if it's something that you really feel there's something important that you have to pray about then go ahead and, and bring it to the Lord and if God leads you to fast then go ahead and do that. Now, mm. it's not only simply fasting from food and water. You can also fast from in, from other things that you're normally doing. You can have what is called a media fast or a TV fast or ah. something like that. And you can fast just abstaining from those things for a length of time. And uh, you'll find that that'll also be very helpful as well. So yes, so that's the purpose of fasting, to kind of sharpen our devotion and, and, and worship of God as we pray to him, and if there's a special burden or a special request in our heart, and um, we need an answer, uh, yeah, the Bible does say it's okay to do that. Yes,
2: I also tried to fast the first time. I was gung-ho about it. I Mm -hmm. said, yes, I can do it, but I failed. Yeah. Until when I fell down flat on my, until when I fell down flat, got lost, and then I fasted again. I tried and tried, I fasted again. It worked. Absolutely. And fasting is beautiful. It
1: is. It is. I know a pastor who says, you know, he can only fast every five hours. I <laughs> <laughs> thought that was funny because he was he was joking. Every five hours, it's time to eat. It's his <laughs> yeah. luncheon. Every so. five hours. Yeah. That's a good one. So, yes, fasting is, is a right thing. It's okay to do. Um, it, it's okay to do, and the Bible does say it's all right.
2: Mm-hmm. Moving on mm-hmm. to the next question. This is regarding Rahab told a lie to the soldiers for hiding the spies. Does God condone lying? And then the Bible verse that she left was Joshua 2, verse 4. Okay, why don't you go ahead and read that, story? Yes. Let me go to Joshua mm-hmm. 2, verse number 4. Joshua. All right. And it reads, Then the woman took the two men and hid them so she said yes the men came to me but i did not know where they were from
1: okay great (laughs) great so (laughs) i like this question yes because did she tell a lie and the answer is yes she did (laughs) now uh the the questioner asked you know does god then condone lying Mm -hmm. does god condone lying when this woman lied well, the thing is, God no no more condones uh, us from lying than from prostitution, because that's what Rahab was. She was a prostitute. Mm-hmm. So in the Bible, uh, there are two kinds of ways um, uh, to read the Bible, or should I say, yeah, there's the descriptive way, where God is simply describing what happened, and then there's the prescriptive or prescribing way. God is telling you what to do. And so when God showed uh, us his story he's simply describing what Rahab did he's not saying I'm prescribing you to go ahead and do what Rahab did however let me say this Uh, the Bible does say in the book of Acts let's actually go there together in the book of Acts it talks about how the the God winks at our ignorance let's go to the book of Acts chapter 17 Acts chapter 17 I'm going to read it to you acts chapter 17
2: oh my mic wasn't on but oh, okay. that that is that is a good a good question because yes. a lo- a lot of people may not realize that, of course.
1: what what the story is about yes yes indeed mm-hmm. and so the, acts chapter 17 verse 30 it says this and the time of this ignorance God winked at but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. So there is an ignorance that God winks at, or he he overlooks, based on our ignorance. Now, what does that mean? You see, people are lost or saved and are judged not by what they didn't know, but what they did know and what they did with what they know. So a person who is uh, who knows that lying is really wrong and lies is more guilty than a person who who lies, uh, but never really was taught by the, that there's, that there was a ten commandment mm-hmm. that we should not lie. So that person is less guilty than the one who knows for sure. And so here in the case of Rahab, one, Rahab is not um, an Israelite. Rahab is a Canaanite, and she is in a separate, separate city, separate country, separate people, and her upbringing was not. Uh, and an Israelite upbringing. And so that's why she was a prostitute. But she had heard, she had heard about the people of God going through the wilderness. She had heard about all these wonderful things they were doing. And what God was doing was that he was convicting her in her heart that this was God's people and that God, the true God, was leading them. And so now in her heart, she wanted to become a part of this Nation, and so of course, when um, the soldiers came, and they're saying, "Hey, have you seen these guys?" And they said, "No, I haven't." Seen, no, you know, I, I no, I, I haven't. Or maybe, I, maybe they came, but they left her. I don't know where they are. Uh, did she lie? Yes, she did, but she lied in her sincerity, according to what she knew, in order to protect the people that God had led her to finally meet. And so. When we read the Bible, we're going to read things that people may uh, do that we may not agree with or we know that are wrong. But we then have to understand the background of it. Mm. You have to understand that God is a merciful, loving God. And really in that moment, um, God winked or overlooked her ignorance in order to save, um, of course, his men. And of course, you know, for her to to come to a knowledge of who he is. And so I'll give you an example. Uh, Judas... Did Judas know better when he stole and when he betrayed his Lord? The answer is yes yes. should we then steal and betray uh, people? the answer is is no. David did David know better when he took uh, uh, Uriah's wife Bathsheba and had him murdered so that he could know, he can be with her because she was pregnant? Did he know better not to do that? And the answer is yes, he knew better uh, but just because the people of God, uh, make mistakes. It does not mean that God condones those mistakes, because there are still consequences to those mistakes, and um, and so no, the Bible does not say that we should that God condones lying, nor does He want us to lie. It's simply describing what happened, and the reason why we cannot put Rahab in the same um, in the same you know measuring stick as these other people. Is because Rahab did not have all of the knowledge that God would have her to know, and so no, uh, God does not condone lying, and um, uh, but He does, of course, uh, judge us according to how much we know and how much we practice by what we know.
2: Amen. I like that. Then there's the music. We okay. are going into our first break. Don't go away. Give us a call on Guam 671-472-1111 in the CNMI 670-323-1113. Text WhatsApp signal us 671-686-9999. Listen live online at joyfmradio.net. We're streaming live on Facebook as well. Go ahead and leave your comment in the comment section below. We'll be right back.
3: This is Pastor Dave with another step to Christ. Christ is ready to set us free from sin, but He does not force the will. And if by persistent transgression the will itself is wholly bent on evil, and we do not desire to be set free, if we will not accept His grace, what more can He do? We have destroyed ourselves by our determined rejection of His love. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today, if we will hear His voice, harden not our hearts. 2 Corinthians 6.2 in Hebrews 3, 7, and 8. You see, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart, the human heart, with its conflicting emotions of joy and sorrow, the wandering and wayward heart. To receive your free copy of the book Steps to Christ, call us here at Life Talk. At 1 800 775 4673.
0: Welcome back to the second half of Straight from the Bible. Call right now with your Bible question. In Guam it's 472 1111. In the Cenomites, it's 323 1113. You can email your questions anytime to Bible at joyframradio.net. Submit them online at joyframradio.net or message us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash joy from radio. Join us now for the second half of Straight from the Bible.
1: And welcome back to Straight from the Bible. This is Pastor Masik with my co-host Scotty. Great to have you back. And let's go ahead and have one more word of prayer as we go, to st- go back to studying the Bible. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we want to pray once again for your Spirit to please lead us and guide us into all truth, for we know that we cannot understand anything unless by your Spirit. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Amen. All right, what's our next question, my brother? Yes, a caller called and left Wonderful. a question like always. And I told him that we will answer it right after our break. And, read, and he's asking, I'm sorry, he's asking, what does it mean to
1: harden your heart? Wonderful. Wonderful. Yes. What does it mean to harden your heart? Well, uh, there's one example that we see in the scriptures in the story of Pharaoh. And so when Pharaoh, uh, God had asked him, of course, to let God's people go, and he hardened his heart. And the Bible even says at times, the Lord hardened his heart. Not that God hardened his heart, but that he hardened his heart against the Lord, meaning God was, uh, in Pharaoh's eyes, God was the cause. uh, And the reason why he was getting angry and hardening his heart. Hardening your heart is when God convicts you and speaks to you of what is truth and you reject it you oh, don't I want to see. listen to it and the thing is the more you do that the your heart or your heart gets less sensitive and sensitive to god's conviction to god speaking to your heart let me give you an example when eve had come to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil she had began to talk with the snake now she knew that it was wrong. She knew that because mm-hmm. God told her. But the longer she stayed, and the longer she entertained, um, um, you know, entertained the snake in that conversation, and when she had the fruit in her hand, she still knew that it was wrong. But she had began to slowly, slowly convince herself that it was okay. I mean, nothing bad was happening, mm-hmm. and maybe I'll just continue on. And that's why even when she ate of the fruit, she brought some back to her husband to eat. Now, she had completely gone against what God had said. And little did she realize that in doing that, uh, she had hardened her heart. And, and when you harden your heart, you really do deceive yourself. So it's kind of like this. Uh, you know how these people, you know, they, they use their hands and they're able to break blocks or bricks. Oh, or yes, like hands? some martial arts or something. Yeah, like a martial artist. Uh-huh. That takes practice. So what you do is when you keep on practicing you begin to kind of like, yeah, you develop a callus on your hand or this, yes. and maybe even the nerves, they get mm-hmm. not very sensitive the more you do that. Now, you keep on doing that and you keep on doing that, then you'll come a time when the reason why you're able to punch through a block or a piece of wood, it's not just because you're so incredibly strong and you've practiced, but because the feeling in your hand is not what it used to be. It uh-huh. is not as sensitive as it used to be. So hardening your heart Is when you have you keep you reject and you reject and you say no and you say no, and you wait and you wait, and then till finally you're no longer able to to really hear or even be able to respond anymore, and that's why the Bible says today if you hear His voice, uh, accept Him. It says harden not your heart, harden not your heart. So as soon as something comes to you and God convicts you of something, do it right now. Yes. Because if you wait, you are putting yourself in danger of being able to respond later on. Because some people will say, Well, I can just do this now and I can just repent later. <laughs>
0: <Right.
1: sighs> you see, but that's the point. You won't be able to actually feel sorry for what you've done if you actually uh, procrastinate. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so dangerous. Because in, in the waiting and waiting and waiting, you're allowing, you're allowing your heart to get hardened. In your conscience to be uh, desensitized and so when the message comes you're not able to respond to it mm. uh, as you should and uh, you know, God is trying to reach you but you're not listening you're not listening mm. even you know did very dangerously mm. you're not able to listen anymore mm. in fact the Bible speaks of that as the sin against the Holy Spirit when you could no longer even respond or hear because you have hardened your heart so much that god's voice is is almost uh, nothing to you mm-hmm. not because god is not able to to speak to you but that you've just deafened your ears or hardened your own heart against his voice and that's just the natural outcome great question it is great question yes. and so the bible says today if you hear his voice you know this is the day and this is the hour uh, to choose him to do what he asks. you will be blessed
2: yes <laughs> you will always follow the lord amen I heard some people, Pastor. they say, you know, when they're, when when your friends or family's tempting you, they say, go for it. The Lord is a forgiving God. Mm-hmm. He will mm. forgive you. This is just one time. And then that one time oh, goes on to another time. They continue on telling you and telling you that.
1: Scotty, that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know about you, but when I was younger, I, you know, I you I, know I was really young. I had tried smoking. Uh-huh. And we all know that when usually if you're smoking for the first time, you're coughing. Oh, yes. (laughs) And and here's the question. Why do you cough? Because that's your body telling Uh you, this doesn't belong in me. That's right. Spit it out. Spit it out. But what what happens? But the more you keep doing it, Uh what then begins to happen? Yes. All of a sudden, you don't cough so much. No. And you find that the very thing that is unnatural for you in the beginning now feels very natural. And now you can't almost seem to live without it and you you have a hard time quitting and it is very much the same thing with sin you know when god's uh, when sin comes to you um if you just reject it completely uh you'll be okay when you when you but the thing is that when you entertain it more and more and more it becomes easier and easier and easier mm-hmm. and so that which should be um should be very bad now feels normal and so that's when Symbolically speaking, your heart is now hardened, and you're okay with it. And it's the same thing with our spiritual life. When we kind of keep on doing wrong, and we know God said don't do it, and you keep on doing it over and over again, your conviction gets smaller and smaller and smaller mm. and smaller. And that's why what you said is uh-huh. so unsafe. right? Because there's no guarantee you're going to feel bad about it the next time.
2: And then repent about exactly. it, right?
1: Lord, please forgive me. Yeah. You're going to forget. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, there's no guarantee. And that's why it's so dangerous. And uh, yes, listening friend, mm-hmm. um, by God's grace, um, yeah. Call him to God, and he will be able to give you victory, no matter what it is. He'll be able to help. Him. But definitely, don't wait. That's right. Call on call on him now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed.
2: Thank you for answering the mm-hmm. question, Pastor. The, our next question we have is: What does it mean? The kingdom of heaven is at hand, found in Matthew three, verse.
1: 2 let's go to Matthew chapter 3 verse 2 Matthew chapter 3 verse 2 says and saying repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand okay great this is the beginning of the ministry of John the Baptist and we'll begin with verse 1 in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and then verse 3 for this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And so, when John gave this announcement, John was preparing the way for the coming of the Messiah. Now, John was what we would call a forerunner. Uh, he was the forerunner prophesied by Isaiah, as mentioned there in verse 3. That before the Messiah would appear or make his public ministry known, somebody would come and he would make a a great announcement and prepare the people's hearts in order for them to be able to accept and receive the coming Messiah. Now, back in those days, whenever a king would come through a town, they always had the forerunner. And the forerunner simply meant the one that ran ahead and he cleared the path (laughs) and he made the announcement. The king is coming. Prepare you the way. And that was the forerunner. And so that's what John was doing. He was saying the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. And he was preparing the way, preparing the way. And that's why when Christ came, he pointed everybody to Christ. He said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. So what he was saying uh, was the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was preparing the way for Christ to come. And Christ, of course, was to reveal himself and begin uh, his public ministry and um, uh, and share with us all the wonderful news and truths uh, that he taught and so what that means is that simply at least for john that was him preparing the way uh, for christ to step right into the scene thank you for that question
2: yes the kingdom is at hand thank you thank you for answering the question moving on to the next Our next question is, what does the Bible mean when it says that the Sabbath was made for men, but not men for the Sabbath?
1: Good question. The Sabbath was made for man, and we can actually read that. And, Scotty, if you can please read that in the book of Mark, chapter 2. Mark, chapter 2. Mark, chapter 2. If you have to read the whole story, but in Mark chapter 2, verse 27 and 28. And this, I believe you covered this one time when they were plucking the grain on the Sabbath. Oh, yes. 20, Walking through, right? Yes, exactly. 27 and
2: 28. Yes. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath.
1: Okay. So what does it mean when it says that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath? Well, the Sabbath was made in order for it to be a blessing to man. It was created in order to uh, uplift man and ennoble man to bring him great, greater peace and happiness because it would be a day where he would spend time marveling at the works of, of nature and marveling at all the works of God, and that would draw his heart closer to his maker, but it was also a day where he would spend time with God. So it was supposed to be a day that would be a blessing to him. It was not supposed to be a day of cursing and uh-huh. burdens. You see, the Sabbath was made for man. Man wasn't made to tell us or to tell each other how to keep the Sabbath. So Christ was telling them, "We, I made this for you to be a blessing to you, not for you to turn around and make it whatever you want mm-hmm. and to be a burden for everybody else. Because if you read the whole story there, uh, the disciples had walked through a field, mm-hmm. some plucked some grains, and they began to eat it. And they said, oh, you're breaking the Sabbath? You're harvesting. <laughs> that was ludicrous because that's how, that's how messed up uh, Sabbath keeping had become oh. when Jesus came into the world. Just taking a few bits of, of grain and roll, mm-hmm. that's Sabbath breaking. That's so, already harvesting. It, it, yeah, that's, <laughs> what, that's what they thought. The thing is they added more rules and laws oh, to see. the Sabbath. And that's why Sabbath was not a burden. It uh, was not a delight. It was a burden. And so and that's why Jesus was trying to correct their understanding of what the Sabbath was. It was supposed to be a delight. Isaiah says it was supposed to be a delight, and it was supposed to be a blessing. We are to remember it. It was a day that we would look forward to. It wasn't a day that we would uh, kind of feel bad about it and say, oh, mm-hmm. here, oh, here we go. The Sabbath is coming. It was so special. In fact, it was the only day of the week uh, in the minds of the Jews that actually had a name. Oh. You know, they didn't say Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. They said... Uh, first day, second day, or first into the Sabbath, second into the Sabbath, Uh third into the Sabbath. Oh, So throughout the whole week, they were looking forward to the Sabbath. And so when Jesus came onto the scene, they had so messed up the meaning of what it meant to keep the Sabbath that it was a burden. So they had, quote unquote, changed the Sabbath for their own sake and for the burden of other people. So Jesus says, no, no, Uh, the Sabbath, I made it for your blessing amen you are not going to make it to be a curse <laughs> for other people right and so christ was simply trying to correct their understanding mm-hmm. of what it meant to keep the Sabbath. great question
2: amen and that and and that verse you were looking for um pastor when you said isaiah or yes, what please. i was looking for yes, I'm, I'm so sorry it's isaiah 58 verse 13 can you read that please yes if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, mm. and call the Sabbath a delight, delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. Absolutely. That's yes. exactly what the Pharisees was doing yes, that's exactly when you were it. explaining it.
1: Great, great, great text, uh, Scott. Yes. That's exactly it.
2: You know... um, when we first started getting into um, worship and and church and obeying the Sabbath, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of mixed emotions for my family and I because we were like, da-da-da-da-da, don't do this, don't do that. And then someone overheard or maybe they weren't seeing the children as jolly and happy. And so one day this person said, Have fun on the Sabbath. Make it a pleasure for your kids so they don't regret it when they get older. Make it fun. Do a family something. Go on a a spiritual walk Mm -hmm. somewhere. Bond with them and bond with the Lord. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when we practice that, early in the morning, pastor, they wake up and says, we're going to church. (laughs) Amen.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Beautiful, Scotty. I'm so glad. You know, Scott, I'll tell you, Mm -hmm. that's it. When you find the spirit of the Sabbath, right. it's a joy, and it brings the family together. Mm-hmm. It fills your children's memories with beautiful memories as they grow older. And I'm so glad that you brought that up, yes. because that was exactly the reason why Christ created it. Nice. It was for us to bond with one another and to bond with our Maker. Mm-hmm. It was a day we would look forward to, not a day that we would kind of you know <laughs> try to sneak away from. Yeah, right? exactly, exactly. <laughs> And so, yes, great. I'm so glad you brought that up. Wonderful. All right, moving on to the
2: next question. It reads, in either the book of Luke or John, the disciples asked Jesus if he was going to go into town with them. But Jesus told them he was tired and would not be going into town. He sent the disciples in without him. But later, he did go. My question is, did Jesus tell a lie?
1: Did Jesus tell a lie? Great, great question. And the answer is no. The Bible says that God uh, does not tell a liar. He Mm -hmm. cannot tell a lie. So let's go to, that story is found in the book of John. John John. chapter 7. John chapter 7. And in fact, the reason why Jesus didn't go, it wasn't because he was tired. He actually tells us the reason uh, why. Mm -hmm. Uh, John chapter 7. Let's begin in verse 1. Let's read from 1 through 8. 1 through... Yes, and you can read that, eight. Scotty, when you get there. Thank you.
2: After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea so you're disciples there may see the works you do no one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret since you are doing these things show yourself to the world for even his own brother did not believe in him and verse six through eight therefore jesus told them my time is not yet here for you for you any time will do the world cannot hate you but it hates me because i testify that it works its works are evil. You go to the festival, I am not. Going up to the festival because my time is not yet fully come. Can you hear me, Scotty?
1: Yes. Okay. And I'm going to go back and I'm going to read verse 8, sorry, 9, 10, and it says, When he had said these words unto them, he abode still in Galilee. So he stayed a little bit longer. Verse 11. Oh, sorry, verse 10. But when his brethren were gone up, then when he also up to unto the feast, not openly, but also but as it were in secret. And so the, the questioner was asking, well did he lie because he told him, Well I'm not going to go right. and and then he went. Mm-hmm. So did Jesus uh, tell a lie? And the answer is no. Well, how do we know that? Well, you see when Jesus's brothers they were saying, "Come on, let's let's go to the feast so you can prove yourself to everybody and that you're not who who you think you say you are or you know who who they're calling you." So, you know, go ahead and come. And so they were kind of uh, saying, come on, let's go. And, and the thing is, they didn't even believe in him. Oh, they didn't okay. believe. They weren't practicing faith in Jesus. They were, they were just saying, you just go ahead and show yourself and prove it to everybody, you know, if, if this is for real. And that was, in a way, kind of tempting Christ the same way Satan tempted Christ. If thou be the Son of God, you know, turn these stones into bread. Now, Jesus wasn't going to in, go and going to go. Gonna go. At his brother's timing, he was going to go. At his father's timing, mm. and he wasn't going to go to as the reason to prove himself. Uh, he wasn't going to do that. He was going to go when God Himself said it was time. So, if you look at verse um, verse six, Jesus says, "My time is not yet come," meaning it's it's not time for me yet. I mean, when you say yet, that means it's yeah, I'm, I'm going, but not yet. I'm not going to go by your time. And then in verse uh, 8, Jesus says, Go ye up into this feast, or the Feast of the, ta- of the Tabernacles. Mm-hmm. I go not up yet unto this feast, for my time is not yet full come. So he was not operating by his brother's time. He was operating by his father's time. Amen. And so that's why in the middle of the feast, I believe that's in verse uh, 14, that's when Christ finally came. And so, no, uh, Christ did not tell a lie. He simply said, no, nope, my time is, is not yet. And he was not going to be tempted to do something that, um, uh, that God had not asked him to do. And so the motive of him going had to be based on God's timing and God's reasoning, simply then, oh, yeah, I'm going because my brother said so, mm-hmm. and I'm here to prove myself that I am the Son of God. That would be the wrong motive. So uh, he was going to go when it was time to go. That's right. That's exactly what he did.
2: God's God's timing, and God's timing is always right. Yes,
1: exactly. Great question. Thank you for asking that.
2: Great question. We're going to move on to the next one. And and it reads, if we are helping people on the Sabbath, is that considered a
1: sin? Amani. Great question. Amani. (laughs) We always love your questions, Amani. Please keep them coming. Yes. Thank you, Amani. So Amani asked a question. If we are helping people on the Sabbath, is that a sin? And the answer is is no. You know, when people are in great need, uh, and it's okay, it's it's really permissible to help them. Now, of course, we have to be also careful. Uh, uh, there are there are works and acts of mercy that are necessary to do on Sabbath. Mm-hmm. You have to, of course, back then they would feed their animals on Sabbath because, of course, they had to eat. Uh, if you saw a creature fall into um, a pit on the Sabbath, right. of course, you'd rescue them and help them out. And in fact, in the book of Luke, when that woman, uh, when Jesus healed her, uh, they they can they uh, the Pharisees they said, "Oh, you you healed somebody mm-hmm. on the Sabbath." See, so, you now that's 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 strange. You you're more you shouldn't you be more amazed that somebody just miraculously got healed <laughs> right. than you are that they got healed on the day that they sh- you thought you should they be healed on. And so, when Jesus healed that woman. Um, uh, he, you know, he, he was basically telling the Pharisees and the religious leaders that it was okay to do these acts of mercy. Let's actually go through the book of Luke chapter 13, that this is okay to do. And we're, we're almost running short on time, so we're going to mm-hmm. go through as many questions as we can before we uh, close. Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. And oh, I love Luke these 10. questions
2: today. These these, yes. these questions are wonderful and great questions. I'm so grateful for Amen. the listeners.
1: Okay, it is in Luke chapter 13, verse, uh, let me see. Uh, yes, verse 15 and 16, it says, The Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass or donkey from the stall and lead him away to watering? And not not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? So on the Sabbath, there are works of mercy that is allowed. This is why doctors, uh, you know, medical workers,
2: firefighters,
1: firefighters, mm-hmm. you know, people that have to work in order to help or protect or do acts of mercy. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can, uh, go ahead and uh, you know, stay away from work on the Sabbath that are related to these things, if it's possible. But of course, if it's not, it is very much permissible to help people. On the Sabbath um, in that way because what you are doing is you are relieving suffering and when you are relieving suffering you are doing exactly what Jesus did in Luke chapter 13 you know a few Sabbaths ago I was driving back from church uh, Scotty uh-huh. and we, went, we were in Talafofa and we we're driving back down coming down the road from Jotnia, and of course we had it was raining and everything we had a dear lady uh, she had her car had gone into the ditch On the side of the road, and so we pulled over. We turned around, my wife and I, my family, and we checked them. And you know, sure enough, um, uh, they were going somewhere and they had some problems and they slipped and they were stuck in the dish. It was raining and it was Sabbath. Mm -hmm. Now, was I going to tell her, you know, just wait for me here until the Sabbath is over? (laughs) I'll come right back and I'll help you. Rain was falling down. She's, you know, of course I didn't do that. So we stayed with her and praise God. God sent two men, two, three actually. And they came and they were able to you know, put our heads together and they were able to uh, bring, um, I think, a rope. And they were able to pull oh, wow. that dear lady's car. Nice. And she was so thankful. Mm-hmm. And it, that's what God is calling us to do. It's absolutely fine to do works of acts and mercy and help on the Sabbath day.
2: Amen. I actually um, gave uh, someone gas on the Sabbath. You know, they uh, died out. Mm-hmm. Just right in front of my house. Yes, and he was pushing his car to the side. Oh, no. but yeah. And then I say, "Hey, brother, what, are you okay? Is everything all, all is everything all right?" He said, oh, "My car don't want to start, and I actually ran out of gas."
1: Oh.
2: So I always keep a container for the lawnmower course, for my daughters to cut the grass. <laughs> yeah, <of course. laughs>
1: so I gave them the gas. Of course, here, brother, dump and, it in. And, and thank you for doing that. Scott. Yeah. yeah, when somebody needs help. And, of course, you know, we help them. Mm. And uh, that's, that's witnessing. Yes. And that's all right. Amen. Great question, Amani. Please keep them coming. Yes.
2: We have about three minutes left, Pastor. Okay, we're going to so, try to shoot through. Go ahead. Yep. Uh, the next question is, where did sin originate from?
1: Okay, we're going to go real quickly on this one. Sin originated in heaven with an angel named Lucifer. God created Lucifer. However, Lucifer, being given the free will of choice, then, of course, chose to go against God. he then began to feel um, uh, very arrogant and very self-centered and you could find the story of his background and how he fell in Isaiah chapter fourteen and Ezekiel chapter twenty eight that's Isaiah fourteen and Ezekiel chapter twenty eight. It will give you a description of of how Lucifer this being fell and became Satan. and you can also find uh, find this story very briefly in Revelation chapter 12, verse seven, where the Bible says there was war in heaven. There was war in heaven uh, started by this uh, angelic being. So it's kind of a quick answer, but if you can, go back to those verses and read Mm -hmm. it, and that's where sin originated from.
2: And if you can't remember the verses, we got it on our Facebook page at the bottom of it, and there's our time, Pastor. Oh, Um, it's been a wonderful time. I wish we had a longer time with everybody, Scotty. (laughs) Me too, Vassar, me too. And thank you listeners for your questions. And thank you for your time. Thank you for listening to
1: us. My name is Scotty and this is Pastor Masik saying good night and God bless you. God bless you. Thank you.
0: Thanks for joining us for another edition of Straight from the Bible. If you missed out on your question and would like to have it aired next time, you can also email us anytime at bible at joyfmradio.net. Submit them online at joyfmradio.net or message us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash joyfmradio. Join us again next time for another edition of Straight from the Bible. Until then, may God bless you as you study His Holy Word, the Bible.